Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show. This is Shukri Wright's just getting into the studio. We're going to be starting up the show in about a couple of minutes, so hang tight and enjoy the tunes.
And a pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tusby Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your Monday afternoon as we are here live in the WMFO studios in Medford broadcasting to you live from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. here with you for a full two hours. And what a day it's been thus far. And here I am. I'm looking at my phone just anxiously checking to see if there will be any more sort of breaking news. <laughs> because when I woke up this morning, I knew that today for me personally was going to be an eventful day. That I already knew. And it started out as such. Get up in the morning, cook me a nice breakfast, some, some egg omelets and biscuits. And then I leave the house. But before, as I'm leaving the house, before I leave the house, suddenly my phone starts buzzing and I see the notification with the GIF, the mysterious GIF that had people speculating on Twitter, Bergeron walking towards the camera, giving a little wink. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me a lot of when Tom Brady did that Super Bowl commercial back in February of 2020, when the whole world was basically wondering, is Brady going to return to the Patriots or is he going to leave to go play elsewhere? He's walking away from the camera. His back is in the shadows. You can't tell whether if he was walking towards or walking away. When he first released that snapshot of that particular scene. But with this particular news, there wasn't really much mystery. All of the anticipation and all of the curiosity surrounding the Bruins and Patrice Bergeron came to an end when the news broke that Patrice Bergeron was going to be returning officially, having signed a one-year deal to return for the Boston Bruins for his 19th season. And I released a a video that is probably going viral on Twitter right about now. But either way, pretty fired up, pretty pumped, pretty excited. And let me tell you why I think this is such a huge deal for the Boston Bruins. Number one, you have the face of your franchise and the guy who we all know is the greatest defensive forward in the history of the NHL back on the team and what was looking as if that this team was going to be getting the 2022-23 season with a lot of uncertainty and question marks surrounding the team, you have the one certain thing back and it brings a level of ease and comfort to everyone else on that team and in the organization and as well as the Bruins fan base. That's, that's number one. Number two, if Bergeron decided that he wasn't going to come back after all, if, who in the hell was going to anchor that top line? I'd like to know. Who were the next best thing that the Bruins were going to turn to and say, hey, you know what? You're the guy that could slide into that top line, you know, and anchor Marshan and who knows, maybe Jake DeBrus is playing on that top line right wing spot. Who? You don't have that guy. 
And no, Pavel Zaka wasn't going to be that top-line center. So while the excitement was apparent not only on Twitter, but also even in the streets of Boston where I had one random fan literally approach me in Starbucks and saying, you that guy from Twitter, right? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know you, but okay. But immediately he wanted to talk Bruins with me. And no, I'm, I'm completely not making this up. This happened in Seaport this afternoon before I even made my way to the studio. And as we're talking, a thought occurred to me. You feel a hell of a whole lot better about the Boston Bruins today than you did a week ago. Be honest. Do you? I sure as hell do. And then, oh, by the way, the Bruins released a GIF with David Krejci smiling. And at that point, everybody knew. Everybody knew that David Krejci was coming back. But in the world of speculation and, uns- and unsureness, no one wants to be that, that jackass who goes out and about and assuming that a tweet means one particular thing, but in reality, you know, so I kind of held back on making any sort of presumptions or assumptions on that. That It meant that David Krejci was going to be coming back. But in my heart of hearts, I was like, Krejci, Krejci. That's exactly what I knew and what I meant when I tweeted that out earlier. And then when the details of the contract came out, my excitement level went from from a 5 to a 10. So, folks, Krejci and Bergeron, they're both officially back. You have your answers for your top line and your second line centerman moving forward, at least for this upcoming season. You have your answer there. Right? Great. Now, let's dive into the specifics here. The only concern that I have for Krejci, and this is just one concern that I have, he had been away from the NHL for a year. How will his body adjust to playing in an NHL rink and with the grueling schedule that is, that is the NHL after a year away? And I think that's a very fair question to ask, especially the audience that are listening and those that are you know watching the um, like the, the stream on Twitter and whatnot has decided to stream the first segment of the show on Twitter. I do believe that it's just, this is definitely going to be something to keep an eye out for for when the season begins, especially as we move through the early days of the season, as we get to December, January, to see what Coach Jim Montgomery handles David Krejci. Because, let's be honest, we need David Krejci more than David Krejci needed us. Because, let's face it, the Eric Halla experiment last season, it wasn't an unmitigated disaster, but it wasn't something that made you want to jump out of your pants and say, oh my God, let me just whip out the sausage. It didn't move the needle for me. If anything, at times, I felt like 
Eric Halla on the ice was like watching the needle in the haystack. You knew it was there, but it wasn't to be found easily by the naked eye. That in itself was problematic. But with Krejci returning, you knew that the one thing that you could rely on was going to be back in the lineup again this season. Consistency. Him playing with Taylor Hall, I think, is going to be the biggest difference maker for Taylor Hall himself this upcoming season. Because let's be honest, Taylor Hall at times was an absolute no-show. On a lot of given nights, Taylor Hall was there, but his offense wasn't there to be found, leaving you feeling more more to be desired. And that's part of the reason why I strongly felt that when the news broke in terms of David Krejci, I said to myself, the one player who is probably going to benefit from this more than anyone else, Taylor Hall. Because we all remember when Taylor Hall was acquired during the 2021 shortened season due to COVID, how much his offense exploded on the scene and you saw Krejci's impact with Taylor Hall on that second line and how much it meant to that team. And I think it's very fair to say that it was sorely missing last season. It was. But in regards to Bergeron, Bergeron's return is going to be all the more important. Why? Because here's the reminder that Bruin fans got to remember. Marshan's going to miss the first couple of months of the season. At bare minimum, the first two and a half, three months. At bare minimum. It will be a miracle if Marshan returns sooner than most predicted. But let's play it safe. Let's say he returns sometime in December. At least you have Bergeron, who's on that top line. And let's just say that Bergeron and DeBrusque on that top line. And whoever is going to slot into that left wing spot on the first line should benefit from playing with Bergeron. Who that person will be, only time will tell. We haven't even gotten to training camp as of yet. But there's no denying the impact of David Krejci and Patrice's Bergeron's return to the Boston Bruins and what it means for this year's team. With both of those guys being back, and you know that you're going to get Marshawn back at some point, you know you're going to get Charlie McAvoy back, remember, because he's also slated to, to miss time to begin the season as well, and as well as Matt Grizzick, who is slated to also miss time to start the year, when those guys come back fully healthy and loaded, there's no reason not to expect the Boston Bruins to be a playoff team again next season. As to what happens when they get there or if they get there, that's anybody's guess. The phone lines are open. If you want to call me and talk to me about the return of Bergeron and Krejci, call me at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. And there's one thought I want to also add here real quick before I go to music break. 
And that is with Bergeron and Krejci returning. Can we all admit that at least there won't be a leadership void in the locker room? Because that really would have been a a very real thing if Bergeron decided that he was going to retire. That in itself is something you don't have to worry about. Because it's not just Bergeron, the player on the ice, the, the current and defending Selkie Award winner, the most Selkies in NHL history that, that we're talking about that in terms of his impact on the ice. We're talking about someone whose leadership cannot be overstated. We're talking about someone who, who knows how to work with the younger player on the roster. Someone who knows and has the full attention of that locker room. And with the first-year head coach of Jim Montgomery, he will definitely make things a lot easier for Jim Montgomery. Because, let's be honest, a first-year head coach who, who has never worked in the Bruins organization before, up until now, and you enter in that locker room, and that locker room is not like any other locker room in the NHL in terms of the leadership core. We're talking about between Bergeron, Krejci, McAvoy, Marshawn, and company. You know that with Bergeron there, the locker room is going to take care of itself. And it should settle a lot of different nerves that Jim Montgomery may be feeling, especially as he starts his first season as the head coach of the Boston Bruins. I'll leave you with that as something to think about as we get ready to go to break. As it is another scorching day outside. And let me tell you something, folks. (laughs) Relief is around the corner, and I couldn't be more pumped. I couldn't be more excited. Seriously. Because I'm just about tired of the 90-degree weather. (laughs) Oh, man. Like I got a phone call coming in. And if there's anything that I do know, as I was saying before I got the phone call, before I go to the caller here, is that with the, with the cooler weather that's coming, I'm literally screaming on top of my lungs like, thank God. <laughs> thank God. And on top of that, came a pretty good amount of good news today. Let's go to Connor in Boston. You're listening. You're, this is the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 WMFO. What's going on, Connor? Shukri, great to hear you on the radio again, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? Not bad. So a couple things for you. You know, I, I think the signings today were, and some of the things Bergeron said in this press conference are really good to hear. But, you know, a couple things I, I just, to, to kind of bring it back to neutral a little bit. One of my biggest concerns, and I wanted to get your, your take on it, was I, I'm kind of worried about the foot speed the Bruins are going to have. I mean, you looked at Tampa, you looked at Colorado in the cup final last year, and they were flying around the ice. And, 
the Bruins just weren't quite at that level, and I think shining Bergeron and Krejci isn't going to quite get them to that level. So that's something that concerns me for one. So I was wondering your take on that. And it's a good it is a good point because, as you mentioned, the speed of Colorado, and even that's taking a step beyond that. Colorado, Tampa Bay. I mean, I would even go as far as, <laughs> I mean, Calgary. For goodness sakes, I mean, although Calgary they, they're going through a bit of a change right now. Obviously, having just traded, um, like like Matthew Kachuk to onto Florida in exchange for Jonathan Huberto and, and whatnot, but. There, this is not. This never was a team that was predicated on speed, but as but but as but as far as let's say for example, you look around the East, do they have the speed to compete with the New York Rangers? Eh, not not necessarily. Do they have the speed to to compete with um like let's say for example, I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of like of the wild card teams from from, from last year, uh sure. like like. Carolina, for example, who at times it just seemed like Carolina, for example, last year seemed to be a lot more faster at times than the than, than, yep. than, than the Bruins were. But to but to to wrap up my point before I allow you to continue, when I think about the Bruins and and I get that in terms of Bergeron and Krejci, the excitement and so forth, and then the concern of in terms of the lack of speed because this is. A little bit of an older team when you think about like some of the older guys, like obviously Bergeron, Krejci, Marshawn is getting up there in age, um, as well as like Nick Foligno, um, as well. You just you just wonder if they don't have the speed, how are they going to beat some of these teams in the East, especially on a, on a nightly basis? Where and I've talked about this since May. Or even since June, for that fact of the matter, that the Atlantic Division is going to be a hell of a whole lot more tougher beginning in October than it was last season. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I mean, you bring up Nick Felino, and that, that's a good segue to my second point here. Is I mean, let's talk about Nick Foligno for a second. That guy got paid more millions of dollars than goals he scored all last season. He needs to go. I don't care where he goes, the ninth floor, off the Charles. I don't care where he goes. You can't have him on the team. <laughs> but to that point, the fourth line is something that still concerns me. I, I mean, you know, if Nick Foligno is going to be out there every day, like that's that's not going to be a good line for your team. And, and, and again, I, I, I mean – I hate to keep bringing up the avalanche, but they're the good blueprint to look at right now. Absolutely. And in the playoffs, third and fourth lines win you a lot of hockey games. And I think having Zaka helps a lot, even though I think we're paying him a little too much. But having Zaka... Wait, three, wait, 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 wait. Three and a half million for one year is too much? I do think so. I think if you went to arbitration, you could have got him for, you know, maybe around three, close to two and a half. And especially if you go to arbitration, you look at the guys they just signed. They signed Bergeron for, what, two and a half? He was yeah. not going to get more than Bergeron in arbitration. That's just me. I don't know how that all would have gone. Um, but that's just how I feel right now. We'll see come come how the season goes. But, I mean, you're going to need a lot of young guys to step up, in my opinion. You look at guys like Mark McLaughlin. He came in, he was scoring goals at a pretty good rate last season when he was on the roster, I think. And, know, and, his, and, by, and by the way, real quick, Connor, like Mark McLaughlin's yeah. role is going to be even more important because just before you call, I was talking about this. For those that are watching the 
the, the stream of this segment on, on Twitter, I pointed out that the guys that are going to be missing significant time to start the season, Marshan, Grizzlick, right. and, and as well as um, uh, Charlie McAvoy, you, the young guys like, uh, uh, like McLaughlin is going to be so important. You, you're going you're gonna to need those young guys to step up. Just give me uh, one quick second. Hold on. Looked like I may have lost him un, 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 unintentionally, but um, but Connor called back a little later on. Um, Maybe may something here with the switchboard. But as I was saying, you need like some of the younger guys to be able to step up huge, especially when you have the key guys that's going to be missing time to start the season. And I get what you what you're saying, Connor, in terms of the speed of the Bruins. This is this was never going to be a team going into 2022-23. That you could say, you know what, that team speed could be the difference maker. They're not the the devils, like I mean, who you, who you could say they are a faster team than the Bruins right now. They're not the Rangers. Hell, they're not even Carolina. They're not even Florida for that fact of the matter. We do have another caller, and this is Alex in Denver. Alex, welcome to the Shukri Wright Show, ninety one five WMFO. What's going on? Thanks, Shukri. Not much. Man, off that point of the, the speed of the Bruins, um, just wanted to ask, free agent still out there who is an absolute gamer and still scores, Phil Kessel, could get him at a lower a lower salary, I feel like, and he could help help with that core group, veteran guy there. And, again, they're not a speed team, so what's your thoughts on that? But in terms of... Phil Kessel, and I actually tweeted about this a while back, and my concern is Phil Kessel, w- w- with what money? There is, uh, there's basically no cap room just about left. Like, the little bit of cap room that they had, that's just about gone. Now with the signing with Pavel Zaka. If they were going to sign, let's say, like Phil Kessel, as you mentioned, and I personally have wanted Phil Kessel back in the, uh, with the Bruins just for the mere fact of what he brings to the table in terms of his production, especially coming to playoffs. You should have did that early in the offseason, but now with their cap situation, I just don't see how unless unless he signs, let's say, a one-year deal or, or, or whatever with a team and the Bruins are able to finagle some sort of a trade going, like going into the trade deadline, maybe and only maybe, but right now the Bruins are really at a point where they're, they're, they're close to having – Next to no cap room, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Definitely a, maybe a possible trade deadline acquisition there. It's a good point. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you calling in, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, you. Yeah, so 
I, I've, for those who follow me on Twitter, you, you have seen me talk about this. <laughs> like, about Phil Kessel in the past. But at this moment in time, I just don't see how this is going to be a feasible thing. I, I truly don't. So, with all that being, being said, it's been one hell of a segment so far to start the show. We are going to go with a music break, though. And coming up next... David Krejci's return. I want to specifically focus on Krejci for this next segment. What are some of the intangibles that David Krejci will bring to the Bruins next season in his return? I'm going to give you my thoughts on that and much, much more coming up here next on the Shukri Wright Show. Here with you until 7 on 91.5 FM WMFO. In Memphis, you can stream the show nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. Lester Grinspoon, Associate Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School. Back in 1966, concerned that so many young people were harming themselves through the use of marijuana, I began to review the medical and scientific literature to help clarify the nature of this harmfulness. Much to my surprise, I discovered that it was a substance remarkably free of toxicity. In fact, it is far safer than any pharmaceutical or recreational drug. There is no record of a single overdose death from its recreational or medicinal use. Marijuana is one of the most studied substances. I believe that it is high time that this country reconsider its stance on cannabis. Them legalize marijuana. The federal government alone spends four and a half billion dollars a year locking up people for drug offenses. It costs almost $28,000 a year just to incarcerate one prisoner. Compare that to the average annual tuition at a four-year public college, which is $5,491, and you realize that the drug war is blurring our nation's priorities. Taxpayers' money would be much better spent educating people instead of punishing them. But thanks to ever-increasing mandatory minimum drug sentences, an entire class of young people are being filtered into new supermax prisons while the resulting budget crunch forces the rest of us to go to old, dilapidated schools. The more money we dump into prisons, the less we have to invest in college campuses. Visit www.schoolsnotprisons.com to find out how you can get involved in the war against the war on drugs. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this 
We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down to business Girl, you've been on my wish list Way more than bad, you vicious Clean, delicious Won't doubt it, I know you bout it Bold day, girl, she like my outfit Broke boy, no, can't be around it When this big business, I hit my account and Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this It's been a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business Shorty get down, yeah, she don't play up She don't downgrade, better get your weight up How I last this long, stay prayed up Now she cheapin' with a tailor, she wanna blaze up Paid a hundred mil, I couldn't get my grades up Upgrade my bitch till I never change up Upgrade my whips on my crib and my kid Let you get down to the business, she did Never fall away, but we can live them if we stay the same. I can't do this for another day, so let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Do you one more night, one more night to get this? We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this It's been a million, million nights just like that So let's get down, let's get down to business Welcome back to the Shukri Ray Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tuskegee Farm Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. I'm here with you until 7 o'clock here on these airwaves. You can call into the program at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. Had a couple of uh, callers during the last segment, which was tremendous as always, so I appreciate those who call into the program and, and those who listen to what I have to say in regards to the Bruins um, and so forth. So I figured that I'll spend one more segment talking about uh, the bees, most notably David Krejci, because David Krejci really does bring an air of curiosity surrounding him. All the while, there's buzz with Krejci returning back to the Boston Bruins, which is 100% like, Popable and understandable. But there are some concerns that I do have in regards to David Krejci and as well as what he may potentially be able to bring forth for this team for this upcoming season. So let's start with this. We know that David Krejci is one of the was one of the better playmakers in the NHL in terms of distributing the puck making that line, whichever line that he was on, whether it was the top line or the second line better with the when he had actual wingers to play with. 
Now, should everything go right, Krejci will have Pasternak and David, sorry, not, not David, um, Taylor Hall, pardon me, on his left side for an entire season. But I also do think that it's also fair to wonder, he has been away from the NHL for a full year. How will he how will he fare returning back to the NHL? I think it's a fair question to ask because one thing that I will caution Bruin fans, and that is expecting him to be the player that he that he was prior to him leaving for the Czech Republic. I don't think he's gonna be that player anymore. If he is, great. That's a that is a bonus in terms of him producing offensively, and you know what you're going to get from Pasternak. And with an engaged Taylor Hall, you know what you can get from him, from him as well. But, well, again, with Krejci, can he readjust himself to playing in the NHL, on the NHL rink? Can he readjust himself to playing a grueling NHL schedule? Because we all know just how long the season is and how grueling it can be. And the thing that I wonder about Krejci, the most is whether if it's not whether if you'll be in t- tip-top condition is his production. Because Krejci, the last couple of years, he was solid. He was almost near typical what you expect from Krejci. But I do wonder him being back, albeit under a new head coach now, Bruce Cassidy is gone. How will he fare? As I was saying in the last segment, I said that The one player who I genuinely believe is going to benefit from this the most is Taylor Hall. Because, again, we all know and have seen how good Taylor Hall is when he's engaged. The problem was last season was that there were too many times where Taylor Hall looked like he was absolutely disengaged. Not good. Especially where in the early portion of the season, you need your second line to produce. Your second line right now of Taylor Hall, David Krejci, and David Pasenak looks to looks to be pretty healthy. So I expect them to produce offensively, especially given that Marshawn is going to miss time to start the season. He's not going to be on that top line to start the year. That's why I think that from Jump Street, you need Hall and Pasternak to be locked and loaded and ready to go. Can Krejci keep up with both players? Again, it's been a year away. We don't know. Training camp hasn't even started. But those are just questions just to to ponder upon and to think about because ultimately at the end of the day, 
I'm excited for Krejci to return, but I'm also curious and concerned whether if he will be able to produce at an elite offensive level that he was able to before he left for the Czech Republic. If you got thoughts on that, you can call into the program, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show as we're talking the return of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. Most notably right now, David Krejci is the one guy who I do think could be an absolute difference maker on that second line. But there is one thing I do wonder. What happens with Eric Haller now? What happens with him? Because Eric Haller is not going to be on our second line no more. Go not at least not going into the into the start of the new season. He's not. And you know your third line center is going to be Charlie Coyle. So where does that leave Eric Haller? That's the question. On what line is he is he going to be playing on the left wing side? Is he going to be playing the wing at all? But who knows? Because right now, as it currently stands, I do think that it is a question to wonder. And I sincerely believe that. We got a phone call. One of the things that I've thought about earlier, and I had this conversation with a gentleman in Seaport, and I was telling the story during the first segment. Krejci, how will he readjust? The offensive production. Because it is something that I do think that if we were to talk about David Krejci and himself, I do think that Krejci, he is going to produce, but at what level that remains to be seen. Because the reality is, he was gone for a year. But I do think now for the first time in God knows how long he does have wingers to play with in Hall and Pasenak. So that's something that I am, I'm truly am looking forward to seeing that line work together. Let's go to the phones now. We got Cam in Chelmsford. You're on the Shukri Wright Show, 91.5 FM, WMFO. What's going on, man? How we doing, Shukri? Long time no talk. I think it was back, uh, last time I talked to you was before Game 5 of the Carolina Series. It was. So. It was. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, just got a couple of things to say about Krejci. Um I've always, you know, people have known me, and they know that I'm not, like, the most positive Bruins fan in the world, but I don't know how anyone's <laughs> come out of this not feeling positive about how the Bruins are at least looking at the current moment. I know Marchand's hurt and all that, and you have a lot of injuries to deal with, but, you know, it, it's good to be positive, especially with, you know, the heat the way it is, how you brought it up, you know. Weather's pretty bad right now. But uh thing about Krejci that I've been looking at, I was doing some research and cut me off if you talked about this earlier. Sure. Uh, he had 14 points in 16 games. Uh, or uh, Paul had 14 points in 16 games when he uh, came from Buffalo. Correct. Uh, David Krejci assisted or assisted with Hall on 13 of those 16 points. If uh-huh. you extrapolate that out to an 82-game season, you get about 71 points. And I, and I know it's, you know, we're going off numbers and that was a pandemic season and you know, it, it was two years ago at this point, and all this. But he got those points. He got those points with Craig Smith when he wasn't useless. And if you add Pasternak in that spot instead of Craig Smith, 
I think you can maybe reach that 60-70 point plateau again. That's 140 points. That adds a ton of offense to a team that has really struggled with it. We've seen it for the last, you know, how many years? The last few seasons, yeah. Yeah, like, but, but Cam, real quick, you know, you know what's funny? In terms of David Krejci and in terms of Craig Smith, I feel like in a way that he's become like the forgotten factor in all of this. In terms of Craig Smith, what can we realistically expect him or expect of him going into season number three as being a Boston Bruin? Like, like that. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Because no, no, no. Because. It felt like at times that Craig Smith took a step backward last season. I mean, he he did have a good first year, a first season rather with with the Bruins. But for some reason, I feel like he just gets lost in the shuffle in a sense. And whereas you know what he's capable of, because you've seen it, he's he's been a consistent twenty goal scorer. But the reality is that now. He's not going to be on that second line no more because Pasternak is not getting moved up to the top line. Hall is going to stay on that second line. So you wonder, can he make it work with Charlie Coyle on that third line? Well, I think you already know my feelings about Charlie Coyle, about him not being good at all or worth his contract in any way. But here's the thing about Craig Smith, and he only has himself to blame he had this great year. I mean, you had a you had a guy like David Krejci feeding him the puck, and you know, I right. feel like Krejci is you know, you talk about a player getting lost in the shuffle. I feel like Krejci was that guy for a long time. He put up 60, 70 point years. And Cam, one talking, second. Oh, Krejci's, Krejci's doing nothing. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, Cam, go ahead. So I was, I was just saying, uh, I feel like Krejci was the player that got lost in the shuffle a lot. He had a lot of 60, 70-point years, and people would talk about how he's a passenger and a ghost. And Craig Smith only has himself to blame in a certain sense for how he's been treated by the Boston fans and the Boston media, and even maybe the Boston coaches. He had the 20-point year. Sure, he had Krejci. He Halla comes in. He can't produce, but he has to be able to. He had to be able to prove that he could do that without an elite. Uh, playmaker on his line, he couldn't do it. But 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 hold on a second. But hold, hold on a second. I want I want I want you and all of the Bruin fans who are listening to really just think about this for just a moment. You go from David Krejci to Eric Haller. Can we all agree honestly that that is that is a bit of a of a step back, or should I say oh, a downgrade it's, from in terms of what you would typically from get from, from Krejci to Haller? Yes or no? Oh, absolutely. But the thing is. Craig Smith never really showed anything at any point last year. There was no point. I mean, uh, okay, I agree. Maybe the two the two weeks he was playing with when Frederick could actually figure out how to play hockey. Um, the, the two weeks with the twelve uh, or the eleven, twelve, thirteen line that was all right. Right. But other than that, that was maybe a twelve game stretch of an eighty two game year. It wasn't. Sure, I can give up. Sure, he had a good two weeks. Good for him, but. But but there, there was really there was you weren't you weren't getting the same consistency that you were getting during the 2021 shortened season due to COVID. 
that and that and that Absolutely was my not. and that was my criticism of Craig Smith in which that can we get that consistent play throughout the entire season, not just for a two week stretch? Because outside of that, you got next to nothing from Craig Smith. You got absolutely next to nothing from Trent Frederick. And earlier in the show, I was talking about because of the fact that you're going to be missing key guys, especially most notably Brad Marshawn from that top line on the left wing spot. You need the young guys to step up. And frankly, if we're going to be honest, I'm not so sure what you're going to get from from, from, from Mark McLaughlin and Trent Frederick come this season because they've shown us so little in terms of can they produce offensively. Mark uh, McLaughlin has pl- played well when, on during his thing when he came up last year with the Bruins, but over the course of the long haul, yeah, what, like what yeah. what can you realistically expect from those guys? Because you're going to need them the first two three months because David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron alone cannot carry the load. No. And one more thing before I let you go, Shukri. Sure. This preseason is going to be probably the most exciting one for a long time. There's a lot of young kids that I have my eye on uh, to make some noise or you know maybe prove that they can at least play against some of these guys. Because it's not only the NHLers, but some of these right. NHLers that they're going to go against, they can hang with. Maybe Jacob Lauco can make that next step. I know he struggled in Providence with injuries and a little bit with consistency. But what we've seen with him in the preseason, he was going to get the call-up before he got hurt last year. Yeah. Maybe uh, and Lysel will probably play again in the preseason. I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll be able to make the jump. I think they'll. Yeah, get he, one he's more not. Year. He's not NHL ready, but like, but to get the first taste of Fabian Lysel, I think would be would be huge for sure. Yeah, and this is definitely with a new coach, and you know, this is it. This is the last kick of the can, bar none. The Bruins front office and the Bruins coaches are going to be looking at every possible option to create any type of offense consistently. And I know the preseason isn't the longest thing in the world, six, seven games, but if you see, if they can find anything that's worth calling up, giving a shot, and if that can stick, this team can make some noise. That's all. Leave it at that. Absolutely. And I appreciate you calling into the show, Cam. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, (laughs) this Bruins team is definitely... Has a lot of question marks, but has generated a lot of buzz today. And I think once the buzz really like settles down before we get to training camp where it'll ramp up again, no questions asked. I just wonder, in terms of the some of the younger players that I mentioned already, in terms of McLaughlin, Frederick, uh, and, and what you're going to possibly like, expect to see from those guys, I just wonder, ultimately... If those guys are going to be able to contribute not only meaningful minutes, but to be able to help out offensively. But in terms of going back to Krejci, just to wrap up this point, we've got a few more minutes left before we have to wrap up um, hour number one, before we go to hour number two of the show. I do think that Krejci's return is going to be one of, of genuine curiosity, but I also do think that this is really the last great chance for this team to potentially do something. We don't know how the season's going to go. We don't know if the season is going to start well. You'd hope that it will. You don't know if the season is going to maybe perhaps um, like get up to a bumpy start. I mean, there is that possibility because – 
I think we've all have taken a pretty good look at the at the schedule for the Boston Bruins to start the season, and it's not it is, does not look good. It is looking rather tough to say the least. That's probably putting it nicely. So, with all of that being said, phone lines are open. You can call into the program, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. As I mentioned, the schedule doesn't look easy, especially once you get to, like, November. You obviously got the home opener on October 15th against Arizona. You got the season opener, which is on October the 12th against the Washington Capitals. And once you get to, like, November, I want to give you just a, just a quick stretch here. Between, I would say, the first 10 days... Of November. You got the Penguins on the 1st of November. You got the Rangers on the 3rd of November. That's They're both away. And then on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night, November 5th, you got the Maple Leafs in Toronto. And then you're back home on November 7th against the St. Louis Blues. And November 10th, you're also at home against the Calgary Flames. So, and I'm just using that as an example as to say, like, listen, you need this team to get up to a good start. At least the schedule in October is somewhat favorable in which that it's not too difficult, but it's not a cakewalk either. Like, you do have favorable matchups against Arizona or, or even Anaheim, for, an, for example, but those matchups against the Capitals, the, the Panthers, and the Senators are going to be really interesting. And not to mention Minnesota, Dallas, and Columbus. Detroit is, a, is it going to be a, 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 like a, a, a coin toss, if you will. We don't know. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see how this all unfolds. And there's a lot to look forward to now. And I'm sure like as we get to September, and, I, and I'm putting this out there now, once we get into September and when training camp begins, I will be doing um, doing a lot more of the Bruins pre like preview of the season to come, at least the the 2022 the 2022 uh, portion of the schedule. Because I think those first couple of months you is really going to dictate where this team ends up in terms of playoff picture and whether this team makes a playoff or not. Because we all know that American Thanksgiving is the typical benchmark as to, hey, whether if your team is going to make the playoffs or not. And on Black Friday, they, they're playing the Carolina Hurricanes at 1 o'clock. So that's going to be interesting to see where this team ends up by that point. Who knows? But you got to let the you gotta let the games play out itself, you know? That's going to wrap it up for our number one of the show. Man, it's been absolutely jam-packed. A lot of Bruins talk during the first hour. And it's been wonderful. Coming up next, hour number two of the show. Is it me? Or something's not adding up here. Because the more I begin to think about what's going on with the New England Patriots... The more I begin to question someone's particular sanity, because it doesn't make sense. I want to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. Coming up next, on the other side of this music break, 
hour number two of the show is coming up next right here at 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Vicky, how you doing? How's the knee? It's coming along, doctor, but still some soreness. Well, let's see. You know, this soon after surgery, some pain is pretty normal. I was hoping to get more painkillers. The first round worked great. We're being very careful with those now. Prescription painkillers are opioids, same as heroin. It's easy to start taking them, not so easy to stop. Last year in America, an average of 40 people died from opioid abuse every day. Long-term addiction has become America's newest health epidemic. So no pills? Vicki, you're doing great. So let's try these anti-inflammatories plus your physical therapy. If the soreness doesn't continue to get better, give me a call. For opioids, the smaller the dose prescribed and taken, the better. Because even a few prescription painkillers can sometimes go a long, wrong way. A message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and the Orthopedic Trauma Association. Visit orthoinfo.org slash prescription safety. Kisses of the sun With sweet I didn't blink I let it in my eyes Like an exotic drink The radio playing songs That I have never heard I don't know what to say Oh, not another word Just
Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO and Medford Touch Free Farm Radio. Hour number two of the program, wherever you may be, however you may be listening. Thank you for making this show part of your Monday afternoon as we are here with you for another hour until around 7 o'clock this evening. We have had a tremendous first hour of the show. Now we're on to hour number two. As as we were just jokingly talking about towards the end of the first segment, man, we're tired of the heat. (laughs) I am. But you know what? There is a place here in New England where the heat will only increase. And I'm not only just talking in terms of the temperature, but I'm talking in terms of the expectation and as well as the, the noise. Because... One thing that I've come to realize, and I really have had some time to think about this, and I talked about this over the weekend, but it's really worth revisiting again because there was a tweet that I saw from Mike Rice of ESPN, the Patriots reporter for ESPN, that I thought that it was truly damning in every single way. And I'm going to read to you what that tweet was. Because... If anything else, this confirms exactly what I've been feeling. So Mike Rice of ESPN, he tweeted out, quote, A thought after watching the Patriots' offense look efficient in 7-on-7 but struggle notably in multiple 11-on-11s? Might be time to give Dante Scarnecchia a call for an independent evaluation. Oof. Yikes. When you have to talk about calling a legend who is supposed to be enjoying retirement, that's not a good sign at all. When Dante Scarnecchia was the best thing you had for your offensive line for them to play at a high level, and you don't have that no more, and your offensive line is struggling mightily, not good. Not good at all. Because when I was thinking about this earlier, and I really had to really just pause for a thought, why are the Patriots struggling right now the way that they're struggling offensively? And there's a lot of different reasons you could point to. Is it the receivers? Is it the offensive line? Is it Mac Jones? Is it a combination of factors? Or is it all pointing back at one person who absolutely refuses to budge and evolve from his ways, which is only about to pay, pay a pretty steep price for in a matter of time? Let's go back to that tweet. Because there is a saying that my mom and my dad used to say when I was a kid. My mom used to say this all the time. A hard head makes a soft ass. How many of you have heard that saying when you were kids? Raise your hand or not silently in agreement. You have. See, I talked about this in terms of Bill Belichick for the longest of time. When you begin to think that you are too smart for it all, 
You too cool for school. You become the biggest fool. When you think you too cool for school, you become the biggest fool. Bill Belichick right now is becoming the biggest fool of them all down in Foxborough. Because how much longer can you continue to be persistent in wanting to do things your way only to realize that when you don't replace what you take out, you are left barren. Losing Shaq Mason was the beginning of your troubles. I'm not saying that if Shaq Mason were to walk through those doors at Gillette Stadium tomorrow that everything will be A-OK in the neighborhood again. No. But would it have helped at least to have that kind of continuity on the offensive line? Sure. But my criticism is not with the offensive line, truthfully. Because the offensive line, in the reports that I have read and heard today, the offensive line is pretty damn frustrated, and I don't blame them one freaking bit. Because how the hell is it that you manage to tell yourself and convince yourself, well, perhaps we just don't have anything to worry about. I've always have had an answer. I've always, we've always figured it out. We got this under control. Right now, I don't see how you're not concerned. Something doesn't add up here. Let me break it down to you this way. If you had a 70-year-old boss who puts his kids on the staff, not having had any sort of experience in the NFL, nor did they have to prove their worth to earn their stripes, and now suddenly you, you also, in addition to that, you go out and you add two men who were failed head coaches, one of whom has no experience coaching offense whatsoever, thinking that you could turn chicken stew out of chicken soup, thinking that it's going to work. It's been a failure. It's been an abject failure so far. And we haven't even played a single preseason game, which, by the way, is coming up in 72 hours. So how the hell is it that anybody in their right mind, you got folks like Greg Bedard, Mike Reese, and a bunch of other Patriots reporters down at Foxborough basically going on TV or on air locally, screaming their heads off like, this is not working, but yet you're still convinced that everything is going to continue to work out and be just A-OK. It's not working. It's not working. And I'm sure Robert Kraft is watching all of this unfold, saying to himself, what the bleeping hell am I watching? Because if they're struggling with this now, and they haven't even faced off against a real opponent yet, oh my God, I don't want to hear a goddamn thing come September when you got the first four games of your season in which that, you're going to face up against real competition. Don't give me the absolute bull crap about, well, the first couple of weeks of the regular season is typically an extended preseason. Nonsense. Because you're seeing the proof right in front of your very own eyes and you don't want to acknowledge it. What Bill Belichick is doing is not working. It's not working. When you have Greg Bedard 
And I'm sure a lot of you listen to Felger and Maz. A lot of you listen to the Patriots coverage during the regular season on the Sports Hub, et cetera, et cetera. He has been big on run blocking from the offensive line. When you can't block up in front, everything else falls apart. Everything else. This has got nothing to do with dumbing down the offense, which for, for, for Pete's sake, I don't even get how the hell did Bill Belichick come to the conclusion that, well, we could try to run the same offense or close to it that we ran last year despite not having the some of the same personnel that you did last year thinking that it was all going to work. I don't see it. I mean, my gosh. The first four weeks of your season, man, let me tell you this right now. You got the Dolphins, you got the Steelers, you got the Ravens, and you got the Packers in week four. If this continues into the regular season, the first month of the regular season, I got news for you. It's going to be a long year. Because if your franchise quarterback can't stay upright, then I'll tell you what. When you're going up against defenses like Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Green Bay, who I all expect to be in the top 10 in the NFL this year in terms of total defense, you're in a world of trouble. You're in a world of trouble. Because I cannot fathom for the life of me how the Patriots are going to find themselves coming to some sort of a conclusion and finding a solution as to, oh, they'll just change the offense, just easy. Throw everything out and just install a new system. Easy peasy. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. You can call into the program if you have any concerns in regards to the New England Patriots. 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. As I'm fired up and I'm aggravated. Because everything that I'm reading on Twitter, the social media, the, the, the web clips and so forth, has the Patriots pointing down in regards to, is this team going to be okay? Because again, for Mike Reese to come out and tweet what he tweeted, and I'm going to read to you again that tweet, what he said. A thought after watching the Patriots' offense look efficient in 7-on-7s but struggled notably in multiple 11-on-11s might be time to give Dante Skarnakia a call for an independent evaluation. If that's not a damning tweet, then I don't know what is. You want to call a guy who is, what, 72, 73-plus years old in retirement out for some sort of evaluation or, hey, I need your advice? Just admit it. You're not in a good place. Everybody sees it. And then on top of that, you know how sometimes where Bill Belichick gets gets pressed by members of the media about why did he do this or why did he do, do that? You know what you noticed so far during this training camp? There is not much fighting back. There's not much stubbornness or resistance because he knows it's absolute dog crap out there. What they have all seen and what's being reported out there, the Patriots offensively, they look like dog crap. So he's not going to try to play this game. I would hope that he continues to be at least forthright 
and acknowledging that, hey, your machine isn't working. Maybe it's time to do a real review as to what you're doing and recognizing what you're doing isn't working. Or did you come to the point where you just don't give a rat's ass anymore? Because that could be also it too. Because I can't remember a time in which Bill Belichick has never been more apparently wrong yet has the stubbornness to continue along the path of being wrong and pridefully so. I can't remember a time like this. If you have thoughts, you can call into the program at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show. As we are going to take another music break. (laughs) Coming up next. Is it time for one particular team to ask the tough questions? Because I'm there. I'm 100% there. I'm going to tell you exactly who and what I'm talking about coming up next. Here on the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Alo, alo, sunt iarăși eu 
pic ca să o ți-am dat vip Și sunt voinic, dar să știi nu-ți cer nimic Vrei să pleci, dar numai, numai ei When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell. Everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Sugar Ray Show, 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Toss Reform Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Your number to call in is 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. We have had quite an eventful show so far. Bruins' first hour dominated. Your phone calls have added a lot of flavor and pop to the show so thank you for those who have tuned in and have called into the show sincerely appreciate it as always and and those who follow me on twitter which by the way you can follow me on twitter at shukri right that's at s-h-u-k-r-i-w-r-i-g-h-t-s that's at shukri writes that's how you can follow me on twitter you can also follow me on tiktok at Shukri Writes as well, same thing. Um, whew. At S H U K R I W R I G H T S. As I was just reminded of a major news story that um, that, that, that I did hear about earlier today, but I will um, talk about at some point a little later on. So, man, 
<laughs> in sports, we see some wacky things. We see some things that just leaves you thinking, have they lost their freaking minds? Because there are times in which that you hear or you read stories and you're you're just scouring the internet and you're just like, are, are you serious? Are you are you dead? Are you dead for real? Like I was going to use a different word, but not entirely sure you could say it on the on the radio. But you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so, one story in particular that I that I did come across, and and I saw this on Twitter earlier today, and it was Barstool Sports that tweeted this out. It was. The video of the Washington Commanders basically dancing in practice. Like, have you lost your freaking mind? Not the Washington Commanders, but to that individual at Barstool Sports who tweeted that out. Have you lost your mind? Because I like to understand for the life of me how and why is that even a story? Like, can we for one moment stop stop pretending that having fun in practice while you're at work is a bad thing? Because if there is one thing that I do believe that rings that it rings to be true, if you're not having fun doing what you do for a living, then you are in the wrong profession. These are grown men that are in the NFL. And they're having a, a dance of. I believe they were practicing a, a certain particular dance that a that a college fraternity um, used to do or still does to this day. I'm not entirely well versed in terms of like college frats and so forth. So please pardon me for my for my ignorance. But I do wonder what was the intent of that of that whole thing because you see. I tweeted this out earlier today, and I said, you know, paraphrasing, heaven forbid that they have fun. Like, it blows my mind, and I mean this sincerely. Like, I am absolutely amazed how grown men dancing in practice gets ridiculed. The Washington Commanders, <laughs> who I think they are among the one of the most downtrodden franchises in sports, in all of professional sports. A moment of lighthearted activity becomes a source of ridicule. I don't get it. Like, I'm sorry, if if I got up right now and start doing the shimmy in the radio. Studio. I mean, obviously, we're on radio, so you can't see me. It just becomes this whole other thing of, well, what are you doing? Why are you dancing? Like, how, how dare you? Like, shut up. Like, are you that miserable? Are you that, like, are you that just pathetic that you're worrying about two grown men dancing off in practice? I'm sorry, like... Did they do? Did they particularly come over to your house, defecate on your bed, rub their balls on your face? Did they pee in your cornflakes today? 
Because I can go on and on and on. Like, I think that social media has allowed too many people to absolutely nitpick at the smallest of things. One in which that it wasn't even that serious. Like, I was just amazed at just the sheer stupidity in, in all of this. Huh. I'm going to pull up the tweet because I, I, I can't believe that I, I even came across this earlier. So this was from earlier today around, what's, around 11.42 a.m. Let's check in on the commander's practice today. And there is a TikTok. It's a TikTok video, apparently. One of the players did a, a balancing split, like basically switching sides and whatnot. And the subtitle in the TikTok video basically says exactly why the commanders can't win. Why? Because they're dancing in practice and having fun? And they're laughing and, and, a, group, and a group of guys are all laughing and enjoying each other? Or is it the fact that the commanders haven't won anything in so damn long that they totally forgot that you can't have fun while you train? Because the last time I checked, I don't think the commanders are the only team in the NFL who has done this. I'm pretty sure all teams across the NFL do it, including the Patriots. And we all know how buttoned up the Patriots are. But the fact that this is even the story was like, really? We are wasting our time on this. <laughs> Hilarious. If you have any thoughts on what I just talked about, you can call into the program at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. I don't know why, but I just remembered I left. I turned off my AC before I left the house. And with that thought, I immediately said to myself, Lord, please, I hope that my, that my apartment does not become one sort of hot box. <laughs> Because it was one thing that I've learned about my apartment is is that like when it's warm, it's really warm. And that's great, especially come the winter when the temperature really drops. And I remember from this past winter when I first moved into my apartment last December that how cold it was outside. But I have a radiator, so I'm like, I'm just grateful that <laughs> I'm just grateful that I didn't have to worry about heat. Or my apartment being cold. But now that it's summer, and I typically leave the AC on in my apartment, and I turned it off earlier today, and I was just like, oh, man. I know today went into the mid-90s, so I'm just like, Lord, please. I hope it doesn't take too long for my house to cool down once I get in the house and turn on the AC. Because... (laughs) I, I really need some uh, some chill in my life right about now. But that's neither here or there. Have you ever, like, left your house thinking, hmm, I sure hope my house is really cool or it's really warm when I get in? Especially, especially when you're in, like, summer and winter, where you're, in, like, in the middle of a heat wave or you're in the middle of a bitter cold front. And you're just like, I hope that my that my apartment is either warm or it's really like cool or chill. Yeah. That's been me. <laughs> That's been me. Like, 
this has been so, so arduous in terms of the heat, the heat wave that I, for one, have reached a point where I'm like, okay, you know what? Enough is enough. Just give me low 80s, high 70s, and I'll be a happy camper at this point. But you know what the irony is, right? When we get to, like, late October, early November, you're going to start to mess those mid-80s, early 90s type feeling. I know I am. But I also will say this, though. See, it's one thing to get, like, like high 90s and whatnot, like when it's like a couple of days, like here and there. But it's another thing to get it, like, during a stretch where it's like, whoo, Lord have mercy. Sheesh. Like, it's been unbelievable. I'm, and I'm going to look at the weather real quick because I'm at a point where, like, I really would like to, you know, not feel like I'm going to die of, like, the, of this extreme heat. Oh, yeah, today's high was 97. And, oh, by the way, tomorrow's high is going to be, what, 96? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So earlier, I got a notification from WBC, um, WBC Channel 4 saying that, hey, relief is on the way, but it won't come till Wednesday. <laughs> Good Lord. Wednesday's high is 76. I am of, of, the, of those who are, are like essentially, all right, enough is enough. I, I'm ready for the cooler weather. I really am. Because after Wednesday, or actually after tomorrow, Wednesday is going to be 76, Thursday is going to be 80, Friday is going to be 78, Saturday is going to be 77, Sunday is going to be 84, next week Monday is going to be 83, next week Tuesday is going to be 82, next week Wednesday is going to be 81. So basically, the heat wave ends tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Because I, for one, I like some cooler weather, please. Give me, like, high 70s with the morning being a bit chilly. I'm looking forward to it. I'm serious. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the days of waking up in the morning, God willing, throwing on a hoodie and still being able to rock a pair of shorts. That's my kind of weather. That's my kind of laid back outfit. You get what I'm saying? If you agree with me, just give me a call and let's talk about it. 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. But you know what? I'm not wishing the summer away. I'm just, I'm just tired of this heat wave. And I know I've been constantly groaning and complaining about it over the last three days, going back to Saturday when I was on the air and whatnot. But I'm at that point where, listen, enough is enough. But you know what? Thank you, God, for everything. And I mean that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But still, I can do without the heat. <laughs> that reminds me. I'm hoping that, um, be, that around, like, Labor Day weekend, I'd be able to take a trip down to the Cape and, you know, visit my friends one last time before summer unofficially ends type of deal. Yeah. That's kind of like my big hope right about now because I haven't been to the Cape at all this summer yet. And I've gone now, I would say, yeah, two straight summers, going back to 2020 and 2021. This year, I haven't gone yet. I got to change that up. <laughs> oh man looks like we've hit a break and 
We are going to take a music break here, ladies and gentlemen. Because coming up next, there was some major news that broke today that I want to talk about at length. And what this potentially could mean moving forward. I'm going to tell you exactly what that is. Coming up next here on the Shukri Wright Show, 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford.
It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Shook Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO and Medford Touch Reform Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. What a show it has been so far. It's been pretty eventful to say the least. Phone calls on the first hour. Second hour, it's been a bit more intense. Basically, really questioning the sanity of Bill Belichick. And last segment was probably one of the more weirder segments that I've done in radio but I said, you know what? Sometimes you just got to have fun and just, you know, let your personality out a little bit. You know, you can't beat this button-up guy all the time like, uh, like, I, I, I need to be uptight and so serious and, and, and all the stick to sports. You know, like, no. Like, talk about what you want to talk about. Have fun with it. You know, let people get to hear and enjoy you. That's, that's what this is all about, you know? So, with all of that being said, there was one guy that – that comes to mind for me as someone who was never afraid to show his personality, never afraid to be his true self. And it truly is a damn shame and sad that after this season, we won't hear him anymore. And that is the hall of famer and Red Sox broadcaster, Dennis Eckersley of Nesson. I teased this particular big news um, during the last segment because I couldn't let this entire show go by without talking about some of the uh, the hot-button topics of this particular day. And it's really been an eventful day in the city of Boston and as, as well as Boston sports and Boston sports media. And Dennis Eckersley leaving is a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. I mean... This is someone who has been part of Nesson, has been with Nesson for 20 years. And there was a time where, and I got this, this from Red Sox fans who would tell me that when Don Ocello was here, Jerry Remy, the late Jerry Remy, was still alive doing the games. And Dennis Eckersley, when all three of them were in the booth, that it truly was one of the most magical broadcast booths that you can find anywhere in the major leagues. It, it truly was. I had the privilege of watching all three of those men, you know, call games whenever those games would air on MLB Network, and I would enjoy it. You know, Dennis Eckersley was is really one of the last true throwback personalities in sports broadcasting as an analyst where he wasn't going to shy away from his opinion. 
And you know what's funny? I've noticed this a lot where broadcasters that are new, they are afraid. They are afraid to say their opinions of of umpires or managers or coaches because, oh, I know them. Oh, I competed against them. So I, I had a, a pretty decent relationship with them. Then the second seed didn't even give a damn whether that was your best friend or whether if that was someone that he had a pretty a good relationship with, he was there to call a game. That was his job. His job was to tell you exactly what he was thinking, how he honestly felt at that particular moment in time. Some people appreciated it. Some people didn't. Most notably, David Price. I'm sure we all remember back in 2017, that whole incident on the Red Sox airplane where basically David Price basically humiliated um, Dennis Eckersley because Dennis Eckersley was being brutally honest on one of the broadcasts in which that Eckersley was calling the game that David Price had started. (laughs) He couldn't handle it. But it goes to show you that For me, if you can't move the thread or move the needle a bit, especially in this business, then you're not doing your job right. (laughs) Like, you have to be fearless when it comes to shaking things up a bit. You have to be fearless when it comes to being able to tell it like it is and tell the audience how you're exactly feeling, how you're feeling. Because at the end of the day, I'm not here for you to agree with everything that I say. You don't have to. That's great. You don't agree? All right, fine. Why don't you agree? You don't like what I said? Why? Why don't you like what I just said? And let's have a discussion about it. Instead of melting into a big puddle that is today's society in which that we can't handle disagreements, we can't handle what a media personality says, and we decide to throw rocks at them. Now, there's a difference between not agreeing what a person says and then a person just saying things out of their ass, thinking that, well, let me just get everybody riled up. You know what I mean? But Dennis Eckersley was never either of those guys. And I loved his honesty, his opinion. This was someone who absolutely been through it all. In life and in baseball. Dennis Eckersley, we all know that he's one of the greatest closers of all time. And in fact, he was a pretty good starter before he made the move to the bullpen. Yet, Dennis Eckersley on the baseball mound, we all know that he's remembered for the home run he gave up to Kirk Gibson in game one of the 1988 World Series. And we all know how, you know, Dennis Eckersley... He's done tremendous work nationally for for baseball on TBS and so forth. And and it's something that I've enjoyed. And it's it really was such a a devastating blow to the broadcasting world, especially here in Boston because Dennis Eckersley is really one of the last dying guard of a certain particular generation in which he played. I think of Tommy Heinsohn, the late Tommy Heinsohn. I think of 
the late Jerry Remy, who just passed away um, last last October. And now Dennis Eckersley is gone at the end of the season. I'm telling you, it's a it's a really interesting time where everything's changing. You know, there's very few times where everything remains a constant in sports. You know, people move on. People want to, you know, do different things in life and priorities change and that's okay. It happens. But I do know this, though. I do know that come next season, there is going to be a need for someone to step into that number one role. I'm, I'm willing to bank money on that. There is going to be a need. Whether if Nesson steps up and says, you know what? We are going to make someone the number one guy to work alongside with, with Dave O'Brien, the play-by-play voice of the Red Sox on Nesson, or are we going to continue this carousel of analysts between Kevin Euclid, Will Middlebrooks, or 985 The Sports Up, Tony Maserati? That remains to be seen. And I'm actually curious to see how it all unfolds because, like, unbiasedly speaking, if I had to pick between one of those three, between Euclid, Middlebrooks, and Maserati, I'd go with Maz. I really would. This is just my personal opinion. I, If I had a, a vetting hand in this process, beginning next season, I would have Tony Maz doing a lot of the games for Nassin as a color guy. And if you have an opinion on this, because I'm sure Red Sox fans like are, are really particularly passionate when it comes to the broadcast and so forth, and I love that. Call into the program, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636 is the number to call in, in which that I got a few more minutes left. I'm out of here at 7. That is when Horns of Plenty will be join, joining uh, or taking over the, 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 um, the airwaves. But I am of those in which that I recognize that a lot has been changing or has gone on with Nesson in terms of the broadcast over the last few years. I mean, it has, especially in the Red Sox side of things. We do know that with Jerry Remy now gone, unfortunately, and may his memory forever remain a source of joy for all of us, there's a, it feels like a shifting guard in terms of the color guy for Nesson on the Red Sox broadcast. I mean, there's no downplaying or undermining or minimizing just how important Dennis Eckersley is to the millions of Red Sox fans who watch the games and to Red Sox Nation. So... With a few minutes left remaining in the program, I'll pose, you, I'll pose to you this question. If you had to decide, moving forward, for 2023, who would you want to see in the booth? Who would it be? I already give you minds. I really would like to see Tony Maz be that guy. I really do. 
But if you had to choose as to who would be that number one analyst for Nesson moving forward for next season, who do you want that guy to be? So with Dennis Eckersley leaving, I mean, I'm sure he has had some memorable moments in the booth or in the studio. I mean, who could forget the time that he absolutely ripped Wade Miley for for basically um, giving former manager John Farrell an attitude after being yanked from a start? <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of people remember that. <laughs> and that that moment was just downright, yes, I need more of that. A former player ripping a player when it's deserved. I need that more. Give me more of that, please. I don't think I'm asking for too much, am I? No. I don't I don't think so. But Dennis I can say you're gonna be missed, man. And I wish you absolutely nothing but the best in the next phase of life that you are about to enter as you move to the Bay Area to spend more time with your grandkids. That's always a beautiful thing. So it's now 6.54. We got roughly five more minutes remaining in the show. And I figure I do this segment because I have not done this in a long, long time. And for those of you who have listened to my show in the past and those who know best what I typically would do, I would typically do what is called final thoughts. It's been a while since I've done this, but I figure now will be a good time. So without further ado, it's time for the final thoughts with yours truly, Shukri Writes, right here on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford. And that is, with the Red Sox losing Dennis Eckersley at the end of the season, what do you think the future of the Boston Red Sox broadcast booth will look like? Because I just I just have this feeling that, as I said a few minutes ago, that there is changes that are coming. What they will look like, I don't know. I, I'm not um, one who can predict that far into the future, but you could feel that there's a shift changing. There's a there's a change coming. In what regard? I don't know. Dennis Eckersley is gone. What will the change look like in terms of the analyst role? How will that, you know, play its part over what Nesson? Only time will tell. Now, the next thought that I do have to wrap up the program, and that is, how excited are you for the start of the NFL season? I mean, this season is going to be absolutely spectacular. So many wonderful headlines, so many storylines yet to be um, unraveled. And I just have this funny feeling that we're going to be in for a wild ride. Preseason games, week one, starts this week. Full slate of NFL preseason games. You're excited? I'm excited. I'm fired up. It's the NFL, baby. I mean, what more can you possibly ask for? (laughs) So... When we talk about the NFL and the season getting underway, of course you think about 
the teams that have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Will it be their year? The Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions. But the elbow, it is a concern for Matthew Stafford. Will it hold up? We shall see how it all how it all plays out. And then lastly, before I wrap this up for the evening, I always have been a big believer in what you ultimately decide to do now impacts your future. There was a report that came out earlier today in which that the Celtics, the Heat, and the Raptors are still in on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. For the love of all things that is good, to the Boston Celtics, do not trade away Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant. Don't do it. Don't do it. It would be a colossal mistake on your part to trade away Jalen Brown now. Yes, you wonder whether if Jalen Brown is going to be a flight risk in a couple of years. Well, we don't know. But trading what you have now for... Something that looks good, but is only as good as fool's gold. It's just bad optics and it's just a bad idea. I wouldn't do it if I were you. So don't do it, please. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shukri Wright Show. 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. This is Shukri Wright. It has been an absolute blast to be here with you this afternoon. Horns of Plenty is coming up next from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Do not go anywhere. Do not even turn that dial. I'll be back here with you in very short order. I'll announce it on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Shukri Wright. That's at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S. That's how you can follow me on Twitter for the latest updates regarding when I'm on the air outside of my regular slot from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. On Mondays. So that's going to wrap it up for me. This is Shukri Wright saying peace. I'll talk to you guys later. Enjoy the rest of your night.